Good morning. Um, it's good to see you, uh, especially if this is your first time with us. Appreciate you uh, fighting Lindsay to get here. It's really cool for the city of Norman to uh, leave us exactly zero entrances to our building, so that's, that's helpful. Um, so if you hiked here, we appreciate you. Um, as Vicki said, my name is uh, Chris, and uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be the worst. Um, I, uh, I used to be one of the pastors here. Um, so yeah, today is... Um, mm. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a, a bittersweet day, because um, we're moving to Alabama tomorrow. And... Uh, mm. So that's happening. Uh, so this sermon is going to be uh, difficult to get through because we have to say uh, goodbye. Uh, but on, on the bright side, it, it's going to be uh, short. Because um, <laughs> all my commentary is in a box somewhere and uh, I can't get to them. So I basically wrote this thing yesterday on a napkin. So we'll be done in five, ten minutes. Um, um, uh, originally, I had thought of uh, focusing this sermon on, on the future, of, uh, of what I kind of hope and pray Providence Road becomes in the next five, ten years, and the impact I think our college graduates will have in that time frame, and kind of my hopes and dreams for what Union Church will be in the next five, ten years. That's kind of where I thought I was going to go, um, but because I've been massively uh, dreading preaching this sermon, I've been procrastinating, and it's during that time that um, I felt like maybe the Lord was saying uh, to go the opposite direction, and, um, and so we're not going to talk about the future as much as we're going to remember uh, what the Lord has done in the past, and uh, so briefly this morning, um, I'd like to explore this idea of intentionally remembering um, the Lord's faithfulness, both on a theological level. Um, as, a, as a spiritual discipline, um, and also on a personal level. Uh, and, here, and here in a little bit, we'll bring up Kara Jane, and we just want to kind of tell you all some stories about how the Lord has provided for us over the last five plus years, and um, not only us personally, but uh, how the Lord is, has uh, provided for Providence Road. Um, and so uh, if by that point we have not completely deteriorated into a puddle of tears, um, uh, we'll, we'll serve communion, which is the most profound reminder um, of the gospel that there is. So, uh, Let's pray, and then we'll get started. <coughs> Father, you were, you were faithful even when we are not. And uh, we are we're very grateful for... Uh, for what you've done um, in this church and for the people that you have brought uh, to be family uh, in this city. And uh, we pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, what you would have for us this morning. It is in your good name that we pray. Amen. All right. So very early on in the Bible, we see this rhythm of working for six days and then resting for one. All right. So very early on from the beginning, there, there's this, we see this shift in focus from production to reflection, right? You work for six days, you rest for one. You work for six days, you rest for one. Um, and this came to be called the, the Sabbath, right? This intentional time of remembering. Um, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 5. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. It says this. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner that is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord God commanded you 
to keep the Sabbath day. All right, so that's just one small example of if you spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, what you will see, you'll be surprised at how much space is giving to actually describing these different reminders. That's essentially what the Old Testament is. It, it, it's, it's, it's reminders. Um, there are multiple references to festivals and architecture and clothing and meals and holidays and songs. Right? The Old Testament essentially describes a culture that is built around remembering who God is and what he's done. Right? That, that's a summary of the Old Testament in many ways. Um, and probably the most prominent reminder in the Old Testament is the Passover. Okay, um, Let's read Exodus chapter 12 <clears throat> beginning in verse 21. It says this, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, and, you will not, and he will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. There's stuff like this all over the Old Testament, right? Um, you get the sense that God wanted these reminders to be presented often and in public. Right? He wanted these reminders to be displayed often and in public. How many of us um, get so busy and so tunnel visioned into our own lives that these reminders become sporadic at best, private at best? And eventually we forget the Lord's faithfulness and we begin to question him. We, we wonder, is, is God good? Is he, is he really for me? Can I, can I trust him? Right? Testimonies, anyone? First um, <clears throat> Samuel 7, okay? Uh, Israel defeats a, a much larger army than they had, much more well-resourced many more soldiers um, that by all definitions should have crushed uh, the Israelite army. But the Israelites won because the Lord intervened on their behalf. And so in 1 Samuel 7, this was such a pivotal moment in, in this people's history. All right? This was such a poignant reminder of God's faithfulness that they built a giant stone monument. All right? this, is, this is an Ebenezer. This is literally, uh, Ebenezer li literally means a stone of help, okay? So you have this people that are um, the premier underdogs of the ancient world, right? And they're about to get crushed by this uh, foreign army. But the Lord steps in, defeats the army, and brings Israel to salvation. And they say, listen, we can't forget this, Right? We all should be dead, but we're not because God is cool like that, okay? So let's build something that's so big and in the center of town and so uh, just a giant rock so we don't forget that the Lord fights for us. That's what the Ebenezer is. Is it a giant monstrosity of a reminder in the middle of town? It's public, and so we cannot forget what happened, okay? Um, so when we, when we sing the hymn, right, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing, in the second stanza, right, 
here I raise my Ebenezer, that's what that reference is for, right? What the author is trying to say in that song is, okay, right now, in this moment of clarity, while I am tuned in to God's provision and his protection, I'm going to plant my flag here, okay? I'm going to build my life around this truth because I know I am prone to wander off again. But I'm going to plant this flag here because I want to remember that he's good and he's for me. So we've seen these, these large public reminders, but we also see in the scripture small intimate reminders, okay? All right, now, I want to take you through a progression of four passages, all right? <clears throat> um, all right, this is awesome, okay, because I, I, I need you to understand something. Because the Bible is not about theoretical spirituality, okay? The Bible is about flesh and blood reality, all right? The Bible talks about a Messiah who is real, who is real, flesh and blood. This is an actual anchor that is not going to fade away. This has flesh on. This has skin on it. This has dirt under its fingernails. This is real. Right? You can actually lean against this, and it's not going to crumble beneath you. Okay, so I want to I want to walk us through four passages. Okay, and these passages <clears throat> reference physical, tangible, tactile reminders that ultimately lead us to Jesus. Okay, so. Uh, Uh, Let's begin in Numbers 15. Now, I know I'm sure all of you have Numbers 15 memorized, and you spent an hour there this morning in your personal quiet time, but just um, indulge me, okay? Numbers 15, beginning in verse uh, 37, okay? All right, stay with me. Uh, Numbers 15, beginning in verse 37. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels, on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And that shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all of the commandments of the Lord, to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. You shall remember to do all my commandments and to be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. Okay, so uh, here we go. Um, so Jewish men would wear uh, what's called prayer shawls. Now, this is not a prayer shawl. This is my son Bo's blanket, okay? <laughs> but this will work for our purposes this morning, okay? Now, so uh, uh, traditionally, this is what Jewish men would wear, right? It's a prayer shawl. This is called a tallet, Okay? A tallet. All right, now, it's essentially a Hebrew poncho, all right, but you get the drift. All right, now, the, the edge, the edge of the tallet, okay, this border, the hem, okay, is called a kanaf. A kanaf, right? A kanaf literally uh, is translated as a border, okay? It's just the edge is what kanaf means, but it has a double meaning. The other meaning is wings. Okay. Now, if you're a Jewish dude and you're walking around like this, can you see how a kanaf would also be interpreted wings? Okay, double entendre, right? Uh, so kanaf and wings are um, uh, has a double meaning. Okay. Now, at the end, these are not blue fuzzy balls for my son. Uh, these uh, that Numbers 15 is referring to, these would be tassels. Okay, these are tassels. Hebrew word for tassels. It's called tzitzi, okay? Tzitzi. And what these tzitzi were, were there were uh, just strings that, were, that God commanded to hang off the edges of all four corners of the prayer shawl, okay? So Jewish dudes walking around, just having a regular Hebrew day, uh, and there would be these tassels hanging off the four corners of the tallet, right? Now, these, these tassels, tzitzi, right, um, have all this symbolism that we don't have time to get into today. But there are all these different strings and has different numeric values and whatever. Um, but there would be these, these strings, these tassels hanging off, and they would be tied at different lengths in five knots, okay? So each tassel would have five knots. Five knots 
um, representing the five books of the Torah, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? So <clears throat> the point being, as you're going out your, your day, right, you would fidget with these tassels that remind you of the five books of the Bible that talk about God's character and God's provision and God's laws. It is a tangible, tactile reminder all day long. All day long, all right? Seatsy, okay? Now, fast forward with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4 and there's a prophecy. And the prophecy says this. When the Messiah comes, he will come with healing in his wings. In his wings. That is not just poetic imagery. That is not just spiritual metaphor. It is a reference to a physical, tangible reminder of God. Malachi is referencing the kanaf. He's referencing the wings. Okay? What Malachi is saying in chapter 4 is that the Messiah is not going to be an abstract religious theory. The Messiah is going to be a physical, flesh and blood, Jewish man who is going to come and live with us. Fast forward again. John chapter 1. <clears throat> Who does John present as the physical, tactile representation of God? Who took on tangible flesh and dwelt among us? It's Jesus. Fast forward one more time. Mark chapter 5. Okay. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Who had suffered much under many physicians. And it's been all that she had. And she was no better, rather she was worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, immediately the flow of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving the power that had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And the disciples said, Do you not see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that it happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. <clears throat> this woman has read Malachi. <clears throat> and she knows that there is healing in the Messiah's wings. And she is taking this verse as literally as she knows how. And she reaches out and she grabs the physical symbol that Jesus, who would have been a first century Torah observant Jewish man, he would have been wearing his tzitzi. And she grabs him by the tzitzi. <laughs> She's literally tugging on Superman's cape. And she's healed. Right? This wasn't a random accident in a crowded street, right? right? This woman is not... You ever seen those old uh, 
news clips of the, like these crazy ladies like in the 60s that are trying to touch the Beatles. Like that's not, that's not what's happening. She, is, she has a purpose. This was an intentional thing. Right? This wasn't the result of a crowd. She goes and she grabs the physical reminder of God's provision. And she's healed. So, um, uh, okay, so about five years ago, um, a little more than that, Carrie Jane and I had been married for six months, eight months, something like that. And um, I was working at um, the Metro Shoe Warehouse, salesman. Um, And uh, when I tell you that I was the worst salesman in Oklahoma, what I mean is I was the worst salesman in Oklahoma. This is documented, right? There was a list. I don't know if you know how sales work, but it's uh, commission-based. So uh, if, you, if you're a good salesman, uh, you make a lot of money. If you're a bad salesman, uh, you do not. This is uh, the top salesman, right? This kid. Uh, and he's killing it in the women's shoe department. Uh, and, and, and this is Christopher B. Brister down here. The, not only, not only let me just let me, to be clear, this is not just the Norman location. This is all Metro Shoe Warehouses in the state of Oklahoma. I'm at the bottom of the entire list. Not just the Norman store, no. All the stores. At the bottom, okay? Now, financially, this puts my family <clears throat> in a bit of a pickle. Because I'm terrible. Because I'm an introvert, and I don't care about women's shoes. But when you move to Norman, Oklahoma, and you know three people, and you have a degree in theology, but you can't get a job at a regular church because you're starting this church, and it has 11 people in it, you find yourself in a bit of a bind. So I'm working at the Metro Shoe Warehouse, trying just to not work there anymore. Let's just pay the bills, and let's get the church with some people in it so we don't have to do this anymore. Right? Carrie Jane is still looking for a job, right? We have four college degrees, and we had five part-time jobs between the two of us, okay? That was fun. <laughs> so I'm working at the Metro Shoe Warehouse terribly, right? Literally, guys, I'm not, this is not preacher hyperbole. This is a real story. We got down to... in the bank. Rent is coming due, right, first of the month. Now, to be fair, we had more than that money. It just hadn't got in the bank account yet, right? So we're doing the deal where we're trying to figure out which bills we can wait the longest on and how how late we can push the, you know what I mean? We're trying to do the math. We got the calendars out, right? We're literally looking through the couch cushions, for money, not to pay the rent, but because we had to do laundry and we didn't have cash. So we're looking for coins, right? This is the dire straits the Bristers were in year one, okay? We literally do not know how we're going to pay rent. Don't know, right? We need this check to clear. We need, we need uh, uh, you know, the, the, the water and gas guys to, like, process that check a few days later than normal. Like, we're in that kind of a place, Okay. One day I go to the mailbox and, and there's a check for $1,000 to this day. I don't know who it's from. It's five and a half years ago. I don't know who sent me this money. Oh, but I cashed it. No. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know, is somebody from my dad's church back in Dallas? I don't know that he knows who, I, I don't know. I don't know who sent me. I don't know why they sent me. Uh, but somebody sent us a check for a thousand bucks and it got us through that to the next month. You know. So, um, 
So that day, I, uh, I went and found a, um, I think it was like a, a lanyard, you know, like one of those um, things they give you at conferences with the schedule and your name on it and whatever. And I, I found this lanyard, and I cut the, uh, the little paracord thing uh, off, and I, I wrapped it around my, my wrist. And, I, and I've worn that, um, and I told Gary James, like, we, we, we really need to remember this. I don't know how often the Lord's going to do this, but we need to remember that the Lord provided for Team Brister when we were poor newlyweds and we're just trying to help plant a church with Jeremy and we didn't know what we were doing and we're just trying to figure it out and, and the Lord provided for a couple of kids like us. And um, uh, so I had a daughter that was born about eight weeks ago today, actually. Eight weeks ago. And that original cord bracelet had frayed and worn thin and so when Ellie was born I I put on a new one because um, so the last few months have been just bananas for us we we're raising money to go plant this church and we're going back and forth from Alabama and we got a two-year-old, and who knows where he is. And, <laughs> and we're trying to sell this house, and we, we literally rented a house in, in, in Alabama without ever seeing it. We found it on the Internet, like, yeah, that'll work, you know. And uh, Carrie Jane has yet to step foot in this house that she's moving to tomorrow. It's, it's just been weird. It's been weird. And so I thought um, this would be a good time to remember uh, that the Lord has provided continues to provide. So um, so what I thought we'd do is um, I thought Carrie Jane could come up here and um, we just just for a few minutes we just want to tell some stories about not just our family but how uh, the Lord has provided for Providence Road and um, and for for us and and maybe a little bit how we think he's going to provide for us in, in Alabama. So um these are going to be kind of verbal Ebenezers, okay? And just testimony of how God has um, provided for us. So, you want to start? Yeah. Um, so when we moved here, um, the church was about eight to ten people, and um, we moved here with the understanding that we were going to help plant the church. Um, Chris used to say, like, Minister of Miscellaneous was his title, but... Um, we knew from the beginning that we wanted to focus on college students, and um, but there were no college students. And so Chris used to say he was the only college minister in the world that didn't have any college students. So um, in those early days, we, um, you know, this is pre-children, and so we would just spend a lot of nights just walking the campus of OU that, um, friendly reminder, we have no tie to. Like, we did not graduate from here. We have no reason to be here except for this church. So we would go walk around this campus um, and, you know, pray and just ask the Lord to bring us students. We would go eat dinner at the Union, just, like, hoping to strike up conversation with some random kid. Um, we even, like, bought a volleyball, and we went and played sand volleyball at the sand volleyball courts. Why? Like, did we think that we were going to, like, entice some kid to come? get dessert with us afterwards. Anyway, so um, we tried, y'all. We tried. And I'm here to tell you that all of those efforts were completely futile. Um, but we did just press on and kept asking the Lord um, to bring college students. And, um, and he did. And I'm here to tell you it was not our efforts. It was not our scene volleyball. It really wasn't. Um, and it wasn't our eating dinner at the union. And um, it was the Lord. And he, he brought um, just a handful of students. And we met in our little tiny apartment off campus and and those students bought in and then from there it just continued to grow and and now y'all it's the college students make up as y'all know about a third of the um, Sunday gathering and again that is just only only the Lord I mean we we constantly are looking at it like how did that happen I mean where did these students come from you know <laughs> like we were just playing sand volleyball you know um, so that's one of our favorite things to look back on is the early days of sand volleyball and um, how the Lord himself grew the college ministry um, kind of despite our futile efforts I remember in the um, the early days we were meeting at the senior adult center which is the coolest place in town um, and I was uh, working kids uh, one particular Sunday and um, so basically the strategy in those early days was 
um, let's just get some people together, preach the gospel, and try not to kill children, um, <laughs> was kind of the, the, the theory, right? And um, we, we thought parents would uh, appreciate that. And so uh, Blake um, gets this bounce house, right? And so we put this bounce house uh, in this uh, little terrible basement uh, that has weathered dozens of tornadoes. Um, it's got a creepy clown, and it's got like a grandparents at play. It's, it's weird. And so we're trying to entertain uh, kids. And so it was my turn in the rotation, so I'm down there, and I'm, I'm in charge of uh, the bounce house. Right. And so uh, there's, there's maybe four kids at this point. Not like in the church there's four kids. I'm thinking, I don't have kids. But I can handle, like, there's just four of us. Just Everyone just leave at the end of the night. We're good. Um, and so they're bouncing on the, this little bounce house, having the time of their life, okay? This is the greatest children's ministry in the history of Christendom, right? Killing it. I'm like, these parents are coming here and just think, I'll tithe, right? And <laughs> just absolutely shocked about the, the ministry that we're having. And guys... Um, uh, we, Jeremy wraps up, they pray, uh, the parents come downstairs, right? It could, I mean, if you were trying to time it, you couldn't do it. The moment mom and dad walk in front of the door, uh, the cord comes out of the bounce house and immediately collapses <laughs> onto the children, right? To which they respond shrieking, bloody murder as if well, they just, they're just being enveloped by goblins, right? I, and I'm, I'm sitting there just like, hey, so welcome to Providence Road. You guys come back next Sunday. Okay, so, so here's the Ebenezer part. They did. They did. They came back. Like, why? Why would you come to our church in these early days? It was terrible. And yet, like, to care Jane's point, like, the Lord built the church, man. Like, we didn't, it was nothing we did or didn't do. It was, God brought people. So, it's just, uh, this is no stupid example, but go ahead. Um, okay, the next one I wanted to share is just kind of a generic um, overall view of, um, if you haven't been to Providence Road long, it won't take you long to realize that we are about gospel community and mission. And, um, I remember in the early days, someone complained to Jeremy that um, we heard the same message every Sunday, and he was like, that's the point, you know? Um, and, um, and I was new at the Acts 29 thing when I moved here, and so um, I just want to say thank you to Jeremy and Blake and Chris um, just relentlessly preaching the gospel week in and week out. Um, all of us are, everyone in this room is the better for it. And so um, it's just amazing to kind of look back and see... Um, the commitment to preaching the gospel at Providence Road um, is a beautiful thing. And then in terms of community and mission, um, I know that you walk in and maybe if you're newish, then you would see the community board back there and you see all these beautiful smiling faces of missional community leaders. And we haven't always had that many. I mean, we started out as one MC that met in Jeremy's home. And then from there, Chris and I kind of broke off um, and we took Valencia and the Marshes who weren't yet the Marshes and um, and we met in our little tiny uh, one-bedroom, one-window apartment, and um, and we would meet there, and then um, and we started that, and so then we moved on, and this new family, the Mosers, came, and they kept coming back, God knows why, and we were so thankful that they came, and so we somehow convinced them to be a part of our group, and so we started meeting with them, and then um, we sent off the Dennises to start a new MC. We sent off Valencia to start an MC. My favorite um, multiplication story is that, um, I think it was with the Dennises, we were having our, li our last MC all together before they multiplied off, and we got a cookie cake, and it said multiplication. I'm still very proud of that. <laughs> Feel free to use it next time for yourself. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we sent off Valencia, we sent off um, the Dennis's, and then eventually we got the Mosers to take this MC over so we could focus on college students. Um, we started one college MC, and now there's three um, college MCs being led by students. And um, so just a beautiful picture of... Um, the process of multiplication, um, which is what we, we want to happen. And so um, just encouragement for y'all, because in those days when your MC is getting really big and then you start hearing the leaders talk about multiplication and it's terrifying, 
um, I just want to encourage you that it's a really good thing. Um, it really stinks in the moment. I remember, especially when we sent off the Dennis's, that was a really hard one. But it was, um, it's been such a beautiful thing um, to see all of that. And then in terms of mission, um, again, it won't take you long around here to realize our commitment to um, the gospel and uh, the freedom and joy of the people. Um, so one of our favorite, I think, Ebenezer's for the church is just the fact that over the last few years, we've baptized 30-ish um, people, um, which is just amazing. And um, a couple weeks ago after the baptism service, we were talking about, um, you know, the church started with less than 10 people. And a couple weeks ago, we baptized 12. Like, we baptized more people than we even started with. Um, and so it's just, again, it's just amazing um, to see what the Lord has done and how he has grown his church. Um, I mean, all morning, that song, um, the hymn, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Has Done, has been in my head. I mean, that's when you see the MCs multiplied, the baptisms, all of that, it's just evident that the Lord is doing this and he alone deserves the praise. Uh, so one of, the, one of the stories from one of the college MCs was a couple years ago. Um, uh, we were having MC at, at our house on a, I think it was a Wednesday night, and <clears throat> there was um, a pretty severe uh, tornado warning. So Kara Jane... Uh, went very mama bear, very quick, and was texting everybody. I was like, get here. Like, we don't want you to be in your car. Like, come early. We'll hunker down in our house, which our house is, like, basically made of tin foils. I don't know if that was the best place. but um, And so she's trying to, like, kind of get everybody together. And so the, the students are kind of hustling uh, to get to our house so we can, like, watch the news and kind of figure out, like, really take shelter or, like, what's the situation here? And, um, and Doak who was one of our leaders, he graduated a couple years ago. Um, Doke is, is driving his truck to our house, and he sees uh, this kid walking uh, along the road by one of the apartment complexes. And, I mean, it's clear that there's, there's a storm coming, right? Like, it, it's, it's windy, it's dark, it's starting to rain. And uh, so Doke pick, picks up this kid and says, dude, like, where are you going? You can't, you can't just be out here walking. Right? He goes, why don't, you, why don't you just come with me? And uh, this kid, Mili Strinkin from Saudi Arabia, uh, named Abdul, and uh, he says, hey, man, where are you going? He's like, I'm just kind of walking. He's like, well, not today, bro. This is Oklahoma. Like, you can't, <laughs> I don't know how you roll in Riyadh, but this is not, that's not going to work. You got to take shelter, bud. And so he says, well, hey, I'm going to this missional community. Do you want to come? And it was like, cool. <laughs> so... So Doak and Abdul roll into Chris and Carrie Jane's living room, like, well, who's this guy? And um, which is fine, except that the topic that evening uh, was sex and dating. Not something you prepared for a young Muslim man to sit in on, right? And so we're like, oh, I kind of, this was going to be more of an inside kind of a discussion. And, and like, we, there's a lot of prep that went into this, right? Like, um, like Carrie Jane had, like, had a work phone. Uh, that didn't have all of our students' numbers, and so they could anonymously text in questions that we would try to answer. Like, it was kind of like we'd been building the, to this night for months, and we are talking about sex and dating and relationships and marriage, and, like, it was not going to be a casual night. We were like, we're getting in it. And in comes Abdul. And we're like, all right, let's see where this goes. Abdul hung out with us for two years. Um, he, uh, he road tripped with these kids to, I don't know where y'all went, went to a Royals game in Kansas City, just buddied up, man. And our kids hung out with a Muslim guy. And I don't know if he learned anything about sex, but I can guarantee you he heard the gospel, okay? And um, our students, this is not something that we planned. This is not like a program. Um, uh, they had Thanksgiving with Abdul before he left to go back home. Um, when we were to pray a blessing over Abdul. Uh, all this stuff just happened, man. Like, we did not orchestrate Doak driving his truck during a tornado to present the gospel to Abdul. Like, that, no one would think to do that. Like, that's just how it happened. It's because the Lord builds the church. It's not us, man. And um, I just... No one would know that story unless you were there that night. But how many of us have stories like that? Um, that's just one example.
Um, okay, another thing we wanted to celebrate looking back is um, from the beginning, Providence Road has been a church that desires to care for vulnerable children. And um, in the beginning, it was just a lot of us who were passionate about it. And so we didn't really know how it was going to play out and we didn't know what it would look like. Um, but we just, again, just kind of continued to pray about it and it was on our hearts and um, there were several families interested. And so um, one of our favorite things about being a part of Providence Road over the last five years has been um, walking through that process with families um, and praying and begging the Lord to provide these children. Um, and now um, he has, and, and we've got foster children and adopted children and, um, and children on the way. And we're so thankful. And um, it's just, again, the Lord who has um, provided that and um, who has written those stories that only he could write. And um, we're just thankful have, to have gotten a front row seat and be a part of it. Um. I don't know where to go from here, um, <clears throat> but we um, we've we just we've walked through divorce um, with our students. Uh, we've walked through cancer with our students, and Frankie came out the other side. Man, he's doing really good. <laughs> he's doing really good. Dozier, man. We walked with David. He lost his dad as a sophomore. And uh, we didn't even know David, man. He was just a kid with good hair. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> next thing you know, we're, we're, all, we're all in the car. And we're driving to Tulsa because David lost his dad. Man. And uh, so I, you know, I don't know if you know, Kara Jane lost her dad uh, in college. And so, just, what are the odds that my wife can relate to David? And we don't know David. Uh, but the Lord orchestrated this, and, and we were just able to be there. And it's like, hey, man, we're not in Tulsa, but we're your family while you're here. And so we'll figure it out, okay? Um, I said, I said this the other day, but I really mean it, and Carrie Jane's going to touch on this in a minute, but like, the church is not like a family. It's, it's not a metaphor. The church is family. It's what it is. And, and this is, these, are, these stories are just the tangible outworkings of when a church loves each other the way it's supposed to, imperfectly and jacked up and whatever, but um, that's what the church is supposed to be. Uh, yeah, and that would be my final uh, story, would be um, just kind of on a personal level, how the church has functioned as family for us. Um, in our house, our air conditioner broke twice <laughs> in the three years we were there. Um, and uh, But both times, families from this church housed us and opened, us, opened up their home to us. And, um, and I worked when Bo was really small, and we um, needed help with child care. And, I mean, just had countless moms volunteering to watch him during the day. Um, one time we were in North Carolina for our X-29 assessment and my mom was here watching Bo and has an appendicitis for crying out loud. And um, I mean, and all these moms just stepped up and um, took care of Bo and um, took care of mom and uh, made that all possible. And, um, and then even just as we're preparing to go and um, packing our house, I mean, we're moving with a two month old and a two year old, like that's not normal, you know? Um, but over the last uh, two months, we have just felt so loved and cared for by this Providence Road family. Um, just the support that you all have offered and um, the help that you've given with the children and the packing and um, even just the just uh, verbal encouragement, um, knowing that you're with us and for us um, uh, really just builds us up and encourages us as we um, prepare to leave. I'm trying to keep it real short so I don't get emotional. Yeah, so um, just to kind of wrap up our time this morning, um, yeah, we, we literally walked into an interview with Acts 29, that literally determines whether or not we will be allowed to plant a church or not plant a church, right? Now, if the answer is no, you can't plant a church, I don't really know what, i got to go back to the Metro Street Warehouse. I don't have a plan <laughs> B, right? And, and 45 minutes before we walk in to this meeting with three pastors, we get a phone call from daycare 
saying that, hey, hey, just so you know, it's cool that Lauren uh, picks up Bo. Wait, wait, Lauren's not picking up Bo. My mom's picking up Bo. No, 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 we, your mom's rushing to the hospital right now. So we, we didn't know that. Um, no, 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 but I'm just telling you, like, it's good. Like, we're fine. Like, wait, I'm sorry. Like, the part about Kara Jane's mom being in the hospital? Like, when? What? Like, nah, but, like, your, your church family, they got it covered. They got it covered. So y'all, y'all just do your thing. Of course, we're like, wait, where's Bo? What? And then we go and have this interview, and they said, yeah, you can go to Auburn. That's fine. Um, but the point is, um, we didn't know where Bo was. We trusted that someone had him. We just couldn't tell you who or where. <laughs> but it's because, like, I, the family's got him. The family's got him. And so... Uh, Jane Ann's going to be okay, and Jared's a doctor, and he's fine. Um, <laughs> we'll just get her some time out. It'll be, it'll be great. Um, but uh, I, just, I just remember in, in, those, in those early days uh, when we were, um, in, and I, I guess just because I'm in the middle of it now, I'm going through all the Acts 29 assessment stuff, and having to put together prospectus and uh, plans and vision statements, and that's kind of my world right now. And so I keep thinking back to the early days of, of, uh, of Province Road, and one of our conditions was that we had to have two consecutive Sundays with 40 committed adults. Right? That was our condition. Like, that's when we were officially a church on the Acts 29 website, was we had to have two consecutive Sundays with 40 people. Okay, Now... I checked the fine print, and I was the one that counted back in the day. Uh, Jay wasn't here yet, and so I was the, uh, the numbers guy. And uh, so I just, so what do you mean committed? What do you mean people and 40? Like, how are we 40-ish? <laughs> like, is this a pastoral 40? Is this a literal 40? Like, what are we? And I remember uh, we had 40 adults. The next Sunday rolls around. And so I was like, if we hit 40... We get put on the website. We get put on the website. <clears throat> and uh, y'all remember Katie Rose? I counted Katie Rose twice because she was pregnant. <laughs> and we hit 40. <laughs> and we got on the website. <laughs> and the Lord has provided ever since. Okay? So um, we just wanted to... Um, we just wanted to share some stories um, because, hey, I don't know that y'all would have ever known that stuff unless we'd had this opportunity to, to share some of the stuff from the college and from our own lives that I think is, is good. Um, the, the church should take time to remember. Right? So that's what we wanted to do this morning. Um, so, so now I want to transition um, uh, into a, a, a similar moment uh, with communion. Um, the, um, uh, the night that Jesus, um, before Jesus was going to be tortured and executed, he was eating um, dinner with his, his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and he tore it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And then he took, he took a glass of wine, and he said, this is my, this is my blood that is, that is shed for you. And, and then he, um, he said, so, so do this in remembrance of me. Okay. So this is... This is the, the Ebenezer of Ebenezers, right? This is, uh, this is the symbol that all the other symbols are built on, right? Um, God has provided everything we need for salvation. And because he was literally torn apart for us and his blood was literally shed, nothing else matters. He's taking care of the big one. So why are we going to worry about all the other 
stuff. So, if you're anything like me, uh, you'll forget. You'll forget this afternoon. Okay. You won't make it to lunch. Um, that's all right, because we'll do it again next week. And we'll do it again next week. It's about 12 months. We're going to do it at a new church in Alabama with a bunch of new people. And the gospel will roll on and on and on. Okay? Because the Lord builds the church, man. And, uh, we, uh, we love you very much. And personally, um, I just can't tell you how um, it's so important for this this tzitzi, this uh, Ebenezer, this memorial, this ritual that we participate in every week. It's so incredibly important because it's a reminder to a forgetful people um, that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. But on a, on a personal level, I, it is just, I just want you to know that it, it has been It's been God's grace to me to, to serve communion here. Because <clears throat> you take communion once. I get to say it over and over and over. And I think that's God's special grace to me because I forget. And uh, so it's, it's been, it has been our joy to, uh, to serve you um, literally in this way. And um, it's, it's been the hardest thing we've ever done, uh, planning a church here, but it's been the, by far the best thing we've ever done. And our whole lives have been here. Um, we, our family has not known anything other than Norman, Oklahoma and Providence Road Church. And, and we're super, super grateful for that. And, um, and just to play a small part of, of this has been, has been, we're just so thankful that the Lord allowed us to play here. So, um, so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, we, uh, we've taken kind of special liberty to talk about ourselves this morning. But I want you to take just a moment and think about your own story and how the Lord has provided for you. And if you were planting a church and you had the mic, um, I have no doubt that, that you would have stories about how the Lord has provided for you and how the Lord has brought you to Providence Road and how the Lord has brought you to Norman and, and your kids and your family and your finances and everyone has a story. Um, so why don't we just take a moment and, and just remember that he has provided everything we need for salvation and um, just one final reminder that this is not coincidence road, this is Providence Road. So we have three stations. We have two at the front and one at the back. So when you're ready, come and receive communion.